The cross is complicated. It's a visual reminder of the worst that humanity can give. The death of an innocent, loving, kind, and altogether good man, barbaric and terrible. And yet Christians call today Good Friday because we believe that what happened on the cross is good, not just back then, but for every man and for every woman who's ever lived. How? I want to show you one old story behind the cross, a story of God's invitation to one man, Abram, with a promise to fix what had gone wrong at God's own expense. It's that story that is behind the cross which makes it good. You know that the world is broken? Do you know that it's a mess? Do you live with it and feel that? It wasn't always like that. At the very beginning, the world was perfect. It was peace and joy and pleasure. It was like a man and a woman who lived in a garden together and everything was perfect. They loved each other. They saw one another and they loved what they saw. They were good with who they were and they were at ease and at peace at all times. But then everything changed. Walking away from the path that God had set out before them, the paradise was lost. And in place of love and ease came strife and blame, violence, conflict, shame, separation and death. The world was a mess. Doesn't it break your heart? It broke God's heart. God was grieved, and so he looked into the world and began to devise a solution. He reached out to one man, a man named Abram. And God came to him with promises, promises to set the whole thing right again. I will give you descendants as numerous as the stars, I'll give you a land to settle in and expand. I'll protect you everywhere you go, and I'll do it all so that through your descendants, I'll bless the whole world. I'll fix the problem. There were conditions for this promise. Very simple. Trust me, God said to Abram. You trust me, and let me be your God, and you will be, me, you will be my man, and your people will be my people, and then everything will be as it once was. There's a name for this kind of arrangement. It's called a covenant. Have you heard that word? In the ancient Near East, a covenant was a formal arrangement between a greater power and a lesser power. Here's how they generally worked. Imagine a king who conquers a nation and then decides to grant mercy to the people of that kingdom. A contract is drawn up with terms and conditions between the two parties. They're brought together their future relationship is put down in writing, highlighting the mercy and the power of the suzerain. That's the name for the superior power. And then detailing the gratitude and obedience owed from the vassal. That's the inferior. Obligations are defined, benefits clarified, and the consequences of disobedience are made clear. And that's absolutely critical for the story behind the cross. God's covenant with Abraham reminds us of these old contracts. And there's one moment that I want to show you in particular because this is the old scene behind the cross which helps make sense of its goodness. 
In Genesis chapter 15, there's a second interaction between God and Abram that is recorded. And it details one of the critical pieces of every ceremony that had to take place when a covenant was made official. It details the ceremony of cutting the covenant. Have you ever made a deal with someone and said, let's cut a deal? That actually comes from this. God comes to Abram again, makes his promises, and he tells him all the good things he's going to do. And Abram says, I have a hard time believing it. How will I know that it's true? God, how can I trust you? And then God says this, which will seem to you strange. Look at it. God said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Now, these instructions seem completely strange to us, but they did not seem strange to Abram. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do because he lived in the world where contracts like this between the superior power and inferior power always had this as one part of their ratification. Watch what Abram does. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other. One by one, Abram kills the animals that he's brought before God, laying one half on one side and the other half on the other side. This is the second to last step in making the covenant official. This is sealing the covenant. In Hebrew, the word seal literally is to cut because the way these kinds of arrangements were made official is that the inferior had to bring animals that were slaughtered, they were cut, one half here, the other half here, right down a pathway, and then, then the inferior power, the vassal, would be invited by the suzerain to walk the bloody path between the animals for one reason. Passing through would be the promise on the part of the vassal that if I break the terms of this covenant, I will become like the animal's bodies between which I now pass. Sounds pretty effective, doesn't it? Abram brings the animals as God had said. He cuts them and lays them out and now he's waiting. Can you imagine the tension for him? God communicates again to Abram. Abram expects, now is the time I'll have to walk through, but God does not say that. Instead, he tells him yet again of the promises he has, assuring him that there will be a good future for him and his people, and then nothing about walking between the animals. The sun begins to set, the night has come, and Abram is there alone in the desert with that bloody mess before him, terrified when something utterly miraculous happens. This is verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. In the Old Testament, light is symbolic. A flaming fire pot and a torch passed between the pieces of the animal. And those two things symbolize one and only one thing, the presence of God himself. Which means that when God finalized the covenant, 
Instead of God telling Abram to stand up and pass through, God himself passed through, as if to say, you do not need to walk through because when the covenant is broken, instead of you being the one who's punished, I myself will suffer the consequences. I will suffer for everything wrong which you do. Every time you're unfaithful, it will be on me instead of you. Every time you go the wrong way and there are consequences for others, I will take them on myself. In the night, in the desert with the light, God makes the promise to Abram, I will maintain the promise that I've made to bless the world through your descendants all the way to the end, even though it means my own life will be torn in two. There's only one reason God made this promise to Abram and to the whole world, and it's because God is love. Because God loves every single man and woman and wants to fix what has gone wrong, and he is willing to do that at his own expense. In your life, there are things that have gone wrong. The cross already had your life in mind. Many years after this night vision of Abraham's and long before Jesus, there was a prophet who spoke of a coming servant who would finally fulfill the age-old promise that God would accept the consequences for our wrongs. Writing of this servant, imagining what people would say of him, Isaiah wrote these words, He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. Can you tell who Isaiah was thinking of when he wrote those words? He was looking back at the fire with Abraham and ahead to the cross. Jesus is God with us, accepting the consequences of the broken covenant on our behalf. He is the light of the world extinguished to save us, the one who, in whom the fullness of the deity was pleased to dwell bodily and who died as God standing in our place. He was God walking between the animals. For us. And he did that so that we can be healed and so we can be made whole and so the old problem can be fixed in us completely because God has chosen to stand and die in our place that he has pro- as he had promised to so long ago. This is why the cross is good. This is why this Friday is good. The best good to ever have happened for the whole world. What shall we do? We shall accept this divine gift And we shall trust in God's past and present and future benevolence no matter what we experience. And we should live as grateful people every day. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of yourself in Jesus. We thank you that long ago your heart was broken by the brokenness of the world and you initiated a plan to set things right And you did that at your own expense. God, we thank you that in Christ, you were the one who suffered the consequences of the broken covenant for us. God, would you please free every one of us from all the guilt and shame that is behind us and let us embrace your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. Let us let you take away every wrong. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.